Hello, everybody, and welcome to Expectation versus Reality. I am Nate. And I'm Tanner. And today we are going to be covering David Cronenberg's The Brood. Yeah, so I'm just going to open up just first off. The, the only Cronenberg film that I can even recall seeing is The Fly. Yeah, The Fly is very, very good. So, um, I am a huge Cronenberg fan. More of the early Cronenberg than the later Cronenberg, but we'll get to a little bit of that in a minute. Uh, just to sort of tell you how this is going to work, we, are, we have found a trailer for The Brood, even though The Brood came out in like, I want to say like the early 70s. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up Yeah, I didn't IMBD here. it yet, but I, I realized that... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 1979, so the late 70s. The late 70s. But I still believe this is, if not the first film that David Cronenberg did, very, very, very early for him. Yeah, so I can imagine just from the special effects from The Fly that this was, you know, pretty startling for audiences back in the late 70s for sure. Yeah, I mean, his stuff is super, super weird. Uh, I think sh there's a couple movies that came up before this, but this tends to be, like, the the one that people seem to bring up the most whenever they're talking about, like, early Cronenberg. Yeah. Like, um, the trailer, I mean, I'm sure we'll dissect it here in a minute, but yeah. the trailer's really 1970s movie trailer. You know, they give away a little bit, but there's not really much of the plot. It's just hey, what's going on over here? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say the heyday for as far as like the Cronenberg stuff that I really enjoy is the 80s stuff from him. And I usually don't like movies from the 80s. I think that it's kind of a weird decade where... Yeah, the 80s was a strange decade. Movies were either really good or they were just not good at all. Well, and I think that also it sort of hit this thing where commercialism started to take place in movies. Yeah. Hardcore. Advertisements, etc. Yeah. But it hey, wasn't to the point free. If where... you want a Pepsi, you got to pay for it. McFly. Yeah, but it wasn't really to the point where the the effects could carry a movie. Yeah, it was yeah. just nothing but product. The way that we can with like Transformers now, right? Or some like superhero movies and stuff like that. Yeah. So to get back on track, what we do here is we watch a trailer for a movie. We then write a synopsis of the entire film based on a single trailer. Yeah. And then we present that to each other, and then we go off. We watch the movie, and we come back. And then we discuss the movie and see kind of how close we got and also sort of give our impressions of the movie, what we liked, what we didn't like, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, try and dissect it a bit, give our, give our take on it, and we'll get to it. So you said the only, the only Cronenberg film that you've seen is The Fly. The only Cronenberg film that I can recall is The Fly, but I mean... And then also the, the colloquialization of Cronenberging from Rick and Morty. Yeah, that was, that was where I was getting at was, you know, there's some pop culture references that have been out lately, specifically Rick and Morty with their Cronenberg episode, along with some other hints at Cronenbergian kind of things, you know, like The Thing is kind of Cronenberg-ish. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's it's body horror. Yeah. I mean, a lot. whenever you think of David Cronenberg, especially early Cronenberg, a mm -hmm. lot of it's body horror. And I really like body horror because it sort of gets my imagination going. It's the stuff that I enjoy watching because I'm a big fan of movie special effects and like yeah. creature effects and stuff like that. And I love watching, oh, how do they do that? How do they do this yeah. and whatever? And like, it's not so much that I'm like looking through it. You don't like the it. Japanese body horror stuff. No, like, uh, <laughs> what is it, Meek Takeshi, who hires masochists for his movies, which is a bit much for me. So um, as far as cast on this movie, the only person that I recognize from any of this, and I'm looking through just making sure that I'm not missing anything super, super crazy, the only person that I recognize in the entire cast is Oliver Reed, who in the trailer plays a dude with like a coat. Yeah. And, and he was in, uh, one of his last movies was Gladiator. He played Proximo. I'm sure if I saw him in the film, I would. Yeah, I'm trying exactly to see if I can find a picture. Is. I can't. Yeah. But, um, but to sort of get on the Cronenberg track, to give you an idea, I mean, I'm 
I've seen Scanners. Mm-hmm. Scanners is okay. I was going to say, whenever we, talked to, whenever we started talking about Cronenberg a while ago, whenever we used to work together, you're, the one mm-hmm. that you talked about a lot was Videodrome. Videodrome is so good. <laughs> it is unbelievably weird. Uh, Videodrome came out in 1983, so three years after this. Uh, or four years after this. The production would have probably been like two years after. Yeah, Videodrome is... Well, it's the thing about Cronenberg films is that saying anything about them really kind of d- disjoints the experience for the viewer. Yeah. For most of them, like he well, he directed the Dead Zone. Oh, the, did the he? Movie. Okay. With Christopher Walken, his 1986 remake of The Fly, which is very very good with yes. Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Yes. Uh, one movie that I kind of like to cover on here because I've only seen bits and pieces of it, which is Dead Ringers. Okay. Which is where Jeremy Irons plays twin gynecologists who share women. <laughs> and it's really weird. And like, oh, no joke, there is a, so there's a dream sequence that I've seen from Dead Ringers where he's dreaming about sleeping with this woman and then his brother's there and they lift up the blankets and they're attached in the oh, middle. Oh, Spongebob and did a Spongebob thing about that. And Spongebob referenced yeah. Dead Ringers, which is... <laughs> It's just the oddest thing to me, but it's true. It's SpongeBob referenced Dead Ringers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, because him and Squidward were attached at the hip, and it yeah. was really gross, and it had a like a throbbing heartbeat. The part that was attached, so I was like, yeah. oh, SpongeBob, no. <laughs> uh, so some other movies that he did, uh, Naked Lunch, which I really really enjoy. I haven't seen that. Yeah, that was one yeah. of those ones that uh, Jamie or uh, my my wife Jamie got very angry at me for having us watch it together because she <laughs> hated it. Um, I, I, the only the only exposure I've had to Naked Lunch was from the book The Wallflowers. The book, not the movie, because I mm-hmm. haven't seen the movie. I don't want it to ruin the book. Yeah, uh, yeah. Naked Lunch is really it's. I, I understand it's very different from the book, but it's it's such a weird head trip of a movie. Yeah. that it's it's definitely worth watching. Uh, Crash Existence. Um, did you see A Brief History of Violence? Or I think A History I have. of Violence, rather. I that's, think... a, that's a Cronenberg film. Okay. Uh, so sort of in the early 2000s, he kind of shifted away from the body horror and into sort of this weird thing where he was exploring extreme violence in more mundane situations. And he also did Eastern Promises, which was uh, another Viggo Mortensen film where he okay. played like a Russian mobster and he like got the correct tattoos and like went to like russian prisons and stuff he to, actually got the tattoos oh uh, i don't think he like i think they were fake but, okay like, all the tattoos were correct uh, uh, okay like that, he was like, like he's like yeah extreme commitment like he went to like i think ex-cons in russia and was like all right my character is gonna has went to this prison this prison this prison and this prison what tattoos would he have but yeah so he's not doing as much directing anymore he's done a little bit of acting but like i said a lot of the stuff that i really enjoy from him is his earlier stuff with like the body horror and just yeah weird weirdness yeah it's it's weird awesome effects but yeah, they're yeah. hard to look at yeah the i believe he's canadian yeah he's from uh, toronto oh hey i like canadians yeah so go ahead and sort of transition into the breakdown the, tra- of the, trailer, breakdown of the trailer and everything else and then we'll stuff. we'll see what happens so right. uh, the trailer itself that we're looking at it opens with a sort of melodramatic scroll about how scary the movie is going to be. We see the destruction of parts of a kitchen by something that's either in the walls or using supernatural stuff, throw stuff off of cabinets and stuff. Yeah. Like, I think you see an arm at some point, but I'm not really sure. A uh, woman enters the room, and it cuts to a man in a coat looking through a dark room. Someone grabs some glass orbs, and a woman receives a phone call that distresses her enough to cover the phone with a pillow. 
Uh, the first woman enters the wrecked kitchen and sees something in the upper corner. A small girl is trying to hold back a door from opening, followed by a woman talking to a man about some weird adventure that she seems to be going on. But he's a, clearly like into her and in love with her. He's like, I'll follow you wherever you go. Yeah. Uh, she says, and then look, and opens up her clothing, and it's like white whatever. Totally a flasher thing. There's going to be some body horror there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's um, so then uh, we see the coat man. He's harassed by something that has like bloody hands. And multiple scenes of violence cultivating in a series of bloody fists beating against a door and breaking through the blonde-haired little girl's door. Bizarre sexuality is a huge theme in Cronenberg movies. I know that you've only seen The Fly, but if you watch, like, Videodrome mm-hmm. and Naked Lunch, like, bizarre sexuality is very, very strong in theming. So, yeah, that's sort of what we're running with. Tanner, what does is, what is your version of The Brood look like? Okay. I'm thinking that this is just going to be a typical 1970s family for a good five, ten minutes of the movie before mm-hmm. we get back to the house. So I think we'll open up with the late 70s, mom, dad, sister of the mom or dad, you know, an aunt that apparently lives in the house for some reason, and a singular child from the trailer. There might be more, I don't know. There might be more kids because of what we see later on in the trailer, but that remains to be seen. So what I'm thinking is that it's going to be either an infestation of some kind of pests or creatures from beyond that we don't know about or just going with a really easy out here aliens i don't know uh again i'm not really educated on cronenberg type films so i'm just kind of grasping at straws here my entire reason for thinking that is because of the things that are falling out of the cabinet at the opening of the of the trailer and all of them had just completely random product names on them like uh, shreddies was one of them that was really not very yeah but they did have jello which was nice so i'm thinking that they're going to either be going to a school function for the kids or going out to grocery shopping or whatever and then they come home and something has followed them home either you know in their grocery bag or on their person on their shoes or whatever and it kind of just nests in their suburban house for a while and starts to become whatever this thing is and then all of a sudden it's like runs out of things that it can eat, so it starts attaching itself to people so it can survive. Uh, and it just keeps on doing its whole thing. So, so kind of like um, the thing meets Slither? Yeah. Right on. Yeah, only more serious Slither, if that makes sense. Because oh, yeah. Slither, was, Slither was great. Like, as, as much crap as it gets, I still love that film. No, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So it'll run out of things to eat, and it'll start eating people in some way shape or form and that'll start to you know morph them in a way and some of the people understand what's happening to them and they try to resist you know like the kid might see something that they're not supposed to see and understand that this is wrong uh while the mother i'm assuming the lady with the fair faucet hair uh decides to just embrace it or for you know lack of sanity just chooses to ignore it or just doesn't see what's going on just accepts it and the guy from gladiator what's his name oliver stone no not oliver stone what's his name oliver something uh oliver reed I oliver reed why did i say stone anyway he sees her transformation going on personality at first and has no clue what's going on with her actual person and starts to see that it's something that he might want to take part of simply because he falls in love with her for some reason. And I'm not sure if he's the father in the household or not, but it doesn't appear from the trailer that he is. As soon as 
that particular part that happens in the trailer happens in the film. Things start to speed up with the whole, you know, body horror crap. Yeah. So the lady does her whole, hey, look at my body thing with the, with the, with the dress. And all of a sudden, you know, people start to move really weird and get weird growths on their bodies and all this other crap. But at the same time, they start to become like faster and stronger and all this stuff. And somebody's going to try and keep it in the house and try and keep it away from everybody in the neighborhood. People are going to die. And somebody in the family is going to have to make a decision to keep this, either keep it in the house and die with it in the house or let it go out in the house into the world and take the easy way out. I don't know how they're going to fix it, but I imagine I've got two theories on this. There's either going to be, you know, like I said just a second ago, somebody's either going to have to die to appease whatever this is or to kill it along with itself like they did in The Thing, even though that's not a Cronenberg film. Mm-hmm. Or somebody from the government is going to get wind of this and come in and be like, hey, no, and just burn the whole house down and either pay to keep people quiet or, you know, make them be quiet yeah so just to do some bullet points the family's gonna go do something they bring it home somebody in one singular person the family recognizes it but is not affected by it and they panic or either die or go insane and that's when the cycle starts and we get the whole cycle again and that family member is totally cool with it we get a resolution at the very end through i don't know i don't know how this movie's gonna end i have no idea i've tried to guess and I, all my guesses were just not good enough for me but fair enough. I am I am excited to see it. Yeah, because I like I like I like late seventies horror before the whole you know slasher film uh, epidemic. Yeah, I mean I like slasher films, but there's there's a limit, you know. All right. Anyways, so my version is uh, so we begin in media rest with a woman who is having a nice night in. She makes tea and kind of sits to relax when she experiences a series of frightening events, culminating in her being murdered by a shadowy figure in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to a grizzled police detective being called to a gruesome crime scene. Uh, we find out it's the woman, and she's been mutilated with her eyes carefully removed. Oh. Hmm. Her body is, is taken to a young coroner who inspects the body. He's shown to be watched by someone. Oh, right. so watching. I see what you did there with the eyes and the yeah, watching. That's, it's, it's, it's theming. It's theming. Uh-huh. So uh, the detective <laughs> goes home to his wife and family. A, uh, a strange child shows up at his house at the same time, but... The porch light has gone out, mm-hmm. so we don't really see get a good look at this kid. Yeah. He calls an on-duty cop to sort of pick the kid up, but he doesn't really let him in because he's like, I have yeah. a family here. I'm not going to let some random kid into my house. You need some about random kids. I really hope that this isn't like a black-eyed kids film. That's what mine is. Oh, God. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the kid is gone and he, uh, when he comes back. Yeah, that's really funny because like, I, I remember messaging you whenever we were first planning this episode. And... I was like, hey, Tanner, <laughs> is yours about cryptids? And you were like, no, why? I was like, no reason. No reason. <laughs> uh, so the coroner meets a beautiful woman uh, who he immediately hits it off with, and they kind of flirt at the bar, and he gets her number. Uh, the detective is harassed by these odd children while attempting to solve the murder, but there are also multiple similar murders that start occurring. Right. The coroner and the woman have a dinner date, and they are almost intimate with each other, but she cuts him off. Their scenes together only seem to occur like right after a murder. Mm-hmm. While walking home, the coroner sees the odd children, but they're not really menacing. They're just kind of like watching him from yeah. like, the bushes and stuff. And he's kind of weirded out, but he's just like, all right, I'm going to go home. 
So while working in his office, the cop has a breakthrough. He's linking the coroner's woman to the murders. They're, they're separate, but like, it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, here's the picture of like the woman that we seem, seems to be connected to things. He receives a panicked phone call from his wife, and he leaves quickly for home. An odd child steals the files from mm-hmm. his desk. Uh, the detective's family is attacked and killed by the children. He arrives too late, uh, but he sees an odd child with black eyes disappear into the neighborhood, and he follows. Right. This is our first like good look at these things. The coroner goes with the woman to the or- the woman's home, quote unquote, which is an abandoned orphanage. He goes in and speaks with the woman. She begins speaking about the future and destiny and like you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. And coming onto him physically. <laughs> The detective arrives at the orphanage and attempts to enter the room with the coroner and the woman, but he's stopped by the children and torn to pieces and his eyes removed. Mm. The woman and the coroner continue to speak, and she reveals that she's not human. The children arrive in the room and surround him. Uh, She invites him to join her in the future and to join her physically. Uh, She opens her clothing, revealing nothing that we can see, but she devours the coroner. The children surround her, and the movie ends. Okay. I mean, it's the 70s. There's not going to be a lot of plot. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of, like tracking shots Set and like shots. establishing stuff and yeah. tension building. Uh, but yeah, so there's going to be something, uh, uh, the whole linchpin of my movie is, you know, my version of the black eyed children and this woman from the trailer who talks about like going on an adventure right. and whatever. And that she is some sort of like weird linchpin of like a brood mother that, yeah. Cause I mean, why, why title it the brood? If, yeah. Yeah. Like I think that she's going to be like some sort of brood mother to something. I yeah. think it's going to be extraterrestrial. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, I am very excited about this movie. Uh, it's been on my watch list for a while. Yeah. Uh, my wife has seen it, and she's very excited for us to cover it. I've been wanting to get into Cronenberg films for a long, long time, especially mm-hmm. hearing you and a couple people that we used to work with talk about them. Yeah. They're, uh, they sound like they'd be very entertaining. Yeah, well, they're very unique experiences. Yes. Yeah. I, just, I just think that this movie in particular, just with the title alone, is either it's going to have something to do with some sort of hive mind, for sure. Yeah, and I think that that's... Uh, I mean, hive minding was very big in the 70s yeah. and into the 80s. I think that a lot of Cronenberg's stuff that he does, especially his early work, sort of taps into cultural fears that are happening. I think right. the brood's going to be that weird thing of indoctrination and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then Videodrome has a lot of theming of indoctrination through use in uh, like the media uh, because yeah, it's Videodrome. It's around like videotapes and that's something else TV I need to see stuff. is Videodrome because again, you, you, you and several other people that I talk to about movies, they just, they won't stop talking about Videodrome and just Cronenberg in general. Yeah. And I don't mean to oversell it, but yeah, it's just, it's such a unique movie and so weird. And then like scanners, which came out in between these two is about government, psychic testing you know sort of like the mk ultra type stuff mm-hmm. or like not like the men who stare at goats or anything right i mean not nearly as goofy <laughs> but i mean like the most famous scene from the movie is somebody using their psychic powers to blow somebody's head up but anyway so we're gonna go watch this movie and just to uh, get a couple things going on that front while we're gone please watch the trailer send us your version of the brood I'd love to see what you guys come up with. I think that if you're a writer, especially like this is a really interesting exercise to take disparate pieces and sort of come up with what you think is going to happen as a result of A, B, and C. Yeah. Not necessarily even in the right order because trailers don't show things in order. Yeah. Hardly ever do they. Yeah. Really. And it's a lot more interesting. If you want to find us on social media, you can find me at Nate Corin, N-A-T-E, so, uh, so O-R-R. <laughs> N-A-T-E-C-O-R-R-A-N. 
I, I mean, on that, on basically everything, I mean, PlayStation Plus, Twitter, Steam, uh, Instagram, all of it. I use that, that same handle. I've used that handle for over 10 years now. Right. Uh, and Tanner, where can we where can we find your your stuff? My stuff is pretty easy to find. I've got a Twitter account, and it's still kind of small at BickleFox with a big B at the front, because apparently that stuff's case sensitive now. And I still don't think it is. Well, I mean, just just in case. And then my Instagram is BickleFox with a little B. And if you can guess what movie I'm I'm hinting at with that, I'll give you points for it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll like, we'll accept a request for a movie that as long as like neither of us have seen it, so you can make us watch I don't know the Holy Mountain or something crazy, some like Jodorowsky movie. Or, yeah, or some weird Indian Aladdin movie, Nate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's there's things that we're talking about. Like in general, I think we're 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 trying to watch at least like decent movies because i think there's there's more than enough like negativity and sort of pointing out bad movies and i've seen about that stuff. so many youtube channels and listened to a, more than a handful of podcasts that do nothing but just take giant dumps on every movie that they watch and i mean there's certain movies like that or certain uh, pieces of media like that that are they're certainly fine. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not talking down anybody. I'm just saying that it's overdone. Yeah, I mean, like the Cinemassacre stuff, Nostalgia Critic. Because um, some of these guys, what they do, they do really well. But yeah. at the same time, I don't want to be that guy. If I see a movie and I like it, I don't want to have to come up with things to... What is that Jason Mantazuka's podcast? Uh, How Did This Get Made? Yeah. I think, which I is think apparently right. very, very good. I like the guys that do it. It just hasn't really been a thing that I've listened to quite yet. So without... Any more interruptions? We're gonna go watch the movie, and we'll come back and talk about it. Yep. We'll see you guys Sounds later. Sounds like a plan.